Chapter 2, Plan Great Events. And now, Michael is going to show us all how to use PowerPoint for future meetings. Michael sighed, slapped his hands on his knees, and stood up from his chair. He walked slowly towards the front of the room, mumbling as he went. Thank you, Ryan, for that wonderful introduction, said Michael quite sarcastically. He was hoping Ryan would give him a more exciting introduction, maybe even start one of those drum rolls where everyone plays their knees like a pair of bongos. But Ryan wasn't about to go along with that. Taking a deep breath, Michael started his presentation. Okay, um, today we are going to be talking about PowerPoint. As he said the word PowerPoint, Michael stuck his right hand out towards the others in the room. Seeing an opportunity to make a joke, a little smirk flashed across Michael's face. PowerPoint, PowerPoint, PowerPoint. Each time he said it, Michael pointed forcefully at a different person. Maybe I can pull this off after all, he thought to himself. He hadn't prepared for this meeting. In fact, he'd completely forgotten about it. But that didn't mean he had to admit it. Just kidding, he said, accompanied by a half laugh. Let's talk about PowerPoint. Michael double-clicked the icon to open PowerPoint on the computer. But instead of the program opening up as it usually would, a different screen popped up. Thank you for opening PowerPoint for the first time. Would you like me to help you set it up? Read the prompt. Everyone in the meeting groaned, frustrated but completely unsurprised that Michael hadn't even opened PowerPoint, much less used it himself. He'd been caught red-handed. The others in the meeting promptly walked out of the conference room, discouraged after having wasted their time in another one of Michael's pointless meetings. It's actually pretty obvious. This scene from the TV show The Office is not too far off when I think about some of the small group meetings I've attended over the years. Understanding why this scene is so egregious is important for you as a small group leader. If you struggle with having consistent attendance at your small group gatherings, or if the people that do show up don't seem too excited to be there, the answer is more obvious than you might think. Make your meetings better. It's an easy mistake to think that because your small group meeting is a church event, people should show up regardless of how good or bad it is. But that's just not real life. Would you keep showing up to a meeting at work if the person in charge didn't put in the effort to make it worth your time? And if it happened to be a required meeting, what are the odds you'd spend that time deciding what you wanted to eat for lunch instead of paying attention? If you were able to make your events worthwhile, if you're able to make your small group something that people look forward to, then they will come. This is the second key principle to help your group achieve meaningful and sustainable growth. You don't want to have to chase people down, begging them to show up and begging them to be invested. If you focus on making your small group meetings excellent, then you don't have to put as much time and effort into taking attendance. When people are excited about coming to your small group, it makes your job that much easier. Instead of clocking in and clocking out, doing their due diligence as a committed Christian, people will actually be glad they came. You'll watch your group come alive right before your eyes in ways you never thought possible. That's the whole point, right? Don't create unnecessary barriers for the people in your group. Make it easy for them to say yes, and you can focus your attention on more important things. But let's not put the cart before the horse. 
How do you craft stellar small group meetings that are the highlight of everyone's week? Stay focused. Jesus was one of the most focused human beings to ever walk the planet. Just look at the following passages. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Matthew 16, 23. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Luke 9, verse 22. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Matthew 26, verse 39. Jesus was a man who stayed laser-focused on his purpose. He had to die in order to save the rest of us. He knew why he was here, and everything he did was made to serve that singular focus. Why? Because if he didn't accomplish his mission, his objective, then every other good thing he accomplished wouldn't matter in the end. No matter how many sick people he healed, no matter how many blind men received their sight, no matter how many hungry people he fed, it would all be for nothing if he failed to complete his mission. As the leader, it is your job to set the destination in your small group's GPS. Where are you going? What will it take to get there? When do you need to correct your course so you can stay on track? When I was a young leader, I was susceptible to what I can only describe as pinball leadership. I would make decisions that sounded good to me without thinking through the impact those decisions would have on the members of my small group. Here are some examples of what I'm talking about. Let's have potluck meals. Just kidding. Let's not. This should be an evangelistic Bible talk. Or just make it a school study group. This group is only designed for married couples that don't have kids. Unless we decide later to start letting in babies. Here's the deal. None of these changes are inherently bad. Babies, for instance, are actually quite adorable, and there's nothing wrong with having more of them. The problem is that these decisions lack focus. There's no measuring stick or objective guiding these choices. What's the North Star of these groups? Where are they going? What measurable progress or results are they trying to achieve? Making these kinds of changes in the direction of your group is akin to shooting at targets with a blindfold on and hoping to hit the bullseye. That's why you can't just have a clear goal or objective for your group. You have to stick with it. You have to commit to it. You have to stay focused on it. The reason Jesus was so effective in his ministry is that he was laser-focused on his objective. In addition to being crystal clear on his purpose for being here, he had a very clear message. If you read the first four Gospels in the New Testament, you'll see a central theme start to pop up all over the place. After John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Mark 1, verses 14 and 15. Here is the summary of Jesus' teaching ministry on earth. The kingdom of God is almost here. Get ready. If you think about every time that he healed someone, every time he cast out a demon or an evil spirit, every time he forgave someone of their sins, why was he doing it? 
He was doing it in order to bring the kingdom of God into people's lives. Everything he did had a reason. Everything he did had a purpose. If you want to achieve results in your small group, you'll need to develop that laser-like focus as well. Before we jump into how to plan events that your small group will look forward to, remember this. If you don't stay focused on the objective you crafted in the previous chapter, it won't matter. You can plan the most amazing small group event of all time, but if it doesn't help the people in your group get closer to your objective, then you've failed. You've jumped in your car and driven 2,000 miles in the wrong direction. Plan events with intent. Stay focused on your objective. And if an amazing idea doesn't help you get closer to your goal, let it be an amazing idea for someone else's group. Don't miss the forest for the trees. Have realistic expectations. I can't believe how uncommitted they are. They need to prioritize meetings of the body and stop making excuses. These were my thoughts after someone in a small group of mine had failed to show up for three weeks in a row. Whenever I brought it up, they apologized and explained that they really did want to be there, but circumstances made it impractical. What's the saying? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. As a small group leader, you may have had these thoughts or conversations as well. That seems pretty justified, you might think. After all, if someone is committed to being at something, they owe it to the group to be there. But you're wrong. And it's because I left out a little detail. This person was working full-time, lived far away, and was taking care of a child with a debilitating chronic illness. I had not thought of those things. If I had done a better job of being empathetic, I would have tried to figure out a better alternative to help this person, a solution that takes into account everything that's going on in their life at the moment. One of the easiest traps that small group leaders fall into is the belief that their small group is the most important thing on the calendar. You planned it, after all. Why wouldn't people give you the respect you deserve and bend over backwards to support you as you execute your master plan? While you probably have a very lofty, very spiritual goal in mind for your small group, you have to stay rooted in the real world. The people in your small group are not robots with an unlimited supply of time and energy. They have jobs. They have families, and they have other responsibilities. If you're going to be set up for success, you absolutely must make sure that you meet people where they are. Asking a single mom to show up to three things a week is just not practical. It's not going to work. Asking someone to come to a 9 o'clock meeting every week when the kid's bedtime is at 7.30 is not sustainable. The only sustainable outcome is bitterness and resentment after fighting to get Junior back on his sleep schedule. Asking someone to drive an hour one way to meet up with you three times a week probably won't last very long either. It's not about their heart most of the time, and it's not about their level of commitment, again, most of the time. It's about setting your group up for success. That starts with being a mindful leader and being realistic about what you can and can't do. Don't bite off more than you can chew. If anything, start small and keep adding things until you have to hit the brakes. That way, the people in your group can be a part of the process, and it doesn't come as quite a shock to the system. Before we move on to the next practical, I feel the need to clarify something. You will not be able to accommodate everyone in your group. Why? Every person is in a different place 
and has different weekly commitments. Following Jesus and committing to a small group does take sacrifice. You shouldn't coddle people and cater to their every whim and fancy. You just don't want that sacrifice to be unrealistic or unreasonable. Does that make sense? Have a plan. Don't ever, ever wing it. At one point when I was in college, I was leading a Bible discussion group with a really low turnout. But it wasn't visitors who weren't showing up. It was the other Christians who had committed to being in the group who weren't showing up. It wasn't at an inconvenient time or place, and it was only once a week. Why then was it so difficult to get people to show up? It was probably a number of factors, but first and foremost was the fact that I rarely invested more than five minutes in preparing for the discussion. My thinking was that by going too overboard with the structure of the discussion, I would hinder the conversation and turn it into a lesson. The impression my lack of preparation gave the other members of the group, however, is that I wasn't invested. So when I called people to be more committed, my words fell on deaf ears. People notice when you have a haphazard plan that you put together at the last minute. People catch on when you're just winging it. What that communicates is that you don't believe your meeting is worth planning for, that it's not a high priority for you. Would you go into an important meeting without being well-prepared? How about an interview? How about an important conversation with your spouse? Not if you want it to go over well. Ultimately, it comes down to being respectful of the time that people are devoted to being in your group. You need to protect their time as if it was your own. If you're asking someone to spend one of their seven evenings with you instead of doing something else, you need to honor that by being well-prepared. Even if the discussion isn't that great, even if they don't eat any of the food, even if there's a monsoon outside and you decide not to cancel the event, it'll be worth it to them if it's obvious you did your best to make it excellent. Don't rely on your talent or your ability to deliver lessons on the fly. Be a good leader and be prepared. Have a plan. Your group will love you for it. Set the tone. When was the last time you had to come to a small group meeting after a really long day? What are the chances it was last week? If you're a normal human being, even a really optimistic one, things don't always go well in your life. The electric bill is double what it was last month, and you don't have the money to pay for it. You got in an argument with your boss, and you're pretty sure you just lost that promotion you wanted. You weren't able to eat dinner because your youngest child obliterated the bathroom, and you had to clean it up before you went to small group. Life happens. Here's the unfair part. When you're the leader, you set the tone for the rest of the group. If you're grouchy, other people will be grouchy. If you're distracted, other people will be distracted. If you're short with people, they'll reflect that tone as well. So what are you supposed to do? Fake it? In a word, yes. Part of being a good leader is showing up to serve even when you don't feel like it. Having difficult conversations because no one else will. Driving across town to give someone a ride. Being generous and invested in your conversations when all you want to do is watch Netflix and eat ice cream. If you want your group to thrive, you have to be the catalyst for it. You have to set the tone each and every week 
be an example for the other people in your group. Having said that, here's what I'm not advocating, for you to lie. It is okay to not be having the best day. It's actually inauthentic and off-putting to communicate otherwise. But what's not okay is to allow that to affect your small group meeting. You need to be excited about meeting with your small group, and it needs to be obvious. This one thing makes a huge difference in the quality of your small group gatherings. When you are emotionally present and engaged, it's obvious that you're happy to be there, and other people will be happy and excited as well. Delegate Responsibilities The fourth practical for how to have great small group meetings is to delegate responsibilities. When people have a stake in the outcome, when they are involved in putting something together, when they are in charge of something, they engage. This is because they can directly connect what they are doing with the group objective you established in the previous chapter. It may not be much, but by helping plan the potluck meals, I know that I'm doing my part to help our group. This idea is powerful. The more you can make the group about the people in it, the more engaged and invested they will become. It's easy to put all the burden on yourself to make things happen, to put every lesson together and coordinate every detail, but that's actually counterproductive. Here's the truth. When you take away the opportunity for someone in your group to do something, you are robbing them of an opportunity to use their gifts to serve God. Yeah, but I can do it way better and way faster than they can. I've heard this objection before, and that might be true right now, but not in the long term. What happens when you fail to delegate to the other members of your group is it has a negative impact. You get worn out because you're doing everything. Then, because you're worn out, you decide to finally relinquish control. But because you're the only one doing everything... No one in the group knows how to step in and fill in the gaps. You put all of your eggs in one basket, that basket being your ability to sustain performance over long periods of time. And when you can't keep it up anymore, your group collapses along with your sanity. Don't put everything on your shoulders. Be willing to let others contribute to the group without micromanaging them. We'll dive into some specific strategies later on in this book, so you're not just dropping it in their lap and walking away. But for now, just understand how crucial this is to the success of your small group meetings. Look for opportunities to delegate responsibilities and then take advantage of the opportunities. Take the next step. Now it's your turn. Download the group calendar handout and create a weekly schedule for your small group. This will walk you through exactly how to put your events together where to have them, when to have them, how often to have them, and the kind of events that you want to plan. I've also put together an index of different ideas that you can look through for inspiration. When you plan events, don't just pick the ones that sound good. Pick the ones that are going to help you achieve your objective. That's the framework that you want to use when you're putting together your group calendar. Consider this group calendar a first draft. You'll want to discuss the plan with your group and see if they have some other ideas of their own. The more buy-in you can receive before you implement your group schedule, the better. Imagine how it will feel when you stroll into your small group and feel the buzz of excitement in the room. Every person is excited to be there 
because it is the highlight of their week. They're so fired up, they're so ready to engage, and you know that what you're about to do is moving you closer to your objective. This is when leading a small group starts to become fun. Plan purposeful meetings for your small group and create the community God intended for each of us to experience. You can download the group calendar handout at unlockyourgifts.org forward slash SGLS handouts.